Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Jim Harshaw with me. Jim, how you doing? Great, man. Great to meet you, Brett. Great to be with you. Uh, you are Charlottesville, Virginia. What's cooking in Charlottesville today? Charlottesville is good, man. Uh, I'm Pittsburgh native, but uh, born and born and bred up there. But um, Charlottesville's home now. I went to the University of Virginia. Tried leaving a couple times and it didn't work. This place has a gravity to it. So it sucked uh, you yeah. back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wife awesome, and four man. kids We're growing our roots here. We love it. How old are the kids? Nine through 17. So two boys and two girls. So we got three teenagers now and a nine-year-old. And uh, so it's, you know, life is busy. It's, uh, it takes effort to stay balanced and, yeah. and to keep everything, uh, everything moving in the right direction and in all the areas of your life, which is really the crux of what I do with people. That's right. That's right. Well, we must be in the exact same boat. My youngest just turned nine on Saturday. So I've got a nine. Yeah, My 13 cool. year old just turned 13 two Fridays ago and then a 15 and a 17 year old. So that's exact same ages. Yeah. Maybe we'll just stay in this exact same uh, tone for the podcast. Let's talk about being a father of four kids and how crazy it is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could talk for days. That. Absolutely. Well, you are a uh, di former Division I uh, All-American athlete, internationally recognized TEDx speaker, and a personal performance coach. Uh, you've, had, you've impacted hundreds of thousands of lives across the world, helping clients and audiences increase resilience, maximize potential, and build high-performing teams. And so some of those things is what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, if you can, man, just give us a little lay of the land. What's made you the man you are today? And tell us a little bit about that upbringing and where you're at today. Yeah. Um, so grew up in Western Pennsylvania. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a blue collar kid. Grew up in a small town. Uh, dad was a construction worker. Mom was a secretary, blue collar, hardworking folks, you know, um, kind of always had the mindset that success was for other people. And that carried over into my wrestling. And, you know, I never achieved any of my goals in wrestling in high school. Uh, my goal is to be a state champion. Never, never got on the, never, never won a state championship, never even got onto the podium at the state championship. So it didn't even come close, but <laughs> I worked hard and got good grades, not eight, but good grades and good enough to, uh, between that, between my grades and wrestling, it opened up the door for me to get into the number one public academic university in the country at the University of Virginia. And so got to UVA and, and just felt like I was over my head there. I was, you know, everybody on the wrestling team was a state champion or a three-time or two-time state place winner. I was none of those. Uh, academically, like I said, I got in because of wrestling. Um, you know, even socially, you know, it's a, it's a white-collar sort of affluent school and, you know, I, I we didn't have a whole lot growing up, you know? And yeah. so it was, it was a definite point in life where I thought to myself, like, can I, this is the next level. Can I make it at the next level? Can I find success here? Do I belong here? A lot of doubt, a lot of uncertainty. And five years later, I graduate with an undergraduate degree and a master's degree. Wow. Uh, I was a three-time ACC champion, NCAA All-American, Division One All-American. Uh, I was ranked on the Olympic level in the United States at that point. I was invited to live and train at the Olympic Training Center as an Olympic hopeful. So complete transformation happened in that time at Virginia. So what? What boil that back for us, if you can? Like boil that down for us, I should say. Like what was it about that? Right? If you come in, and I'm I'm using air quotes for those not watching and just listening. Maybe if you were average, right? You don't win. I think you said three ACC 
championships, yeah. right? And so right. that doesn't just happen, man. So what clicked for you to take that mindset from I'm, I'm mediocre average to I'm, I'm one of the best? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I, I couldn't put it into into words for a long time because after I got out of college, I ended up getting into coaching and I ended up as the young, I was, I was a division one head coach. I was the youngest division one head coach in the country. Mm-hmm. I got a coach for about a decade, got out of coaching, started my first business and that was successful. I sold that, started my next business, raised some angel capital, built a technology company. And about two years into that, I realized that everything I'm trying to build for my family it is crumbling around me. I, I had a, a failing business. We had debt up to our eyeballs, wasn't spending enough time with my wife and kids. I was just so single-minded focused on one thing. Like it wasn't, I was single-minded focus in wrestling and I was single-minded focus in this business. And um, so I was, you know, not paying attention to to my wife or my kids. I wasn't working out. I was in the worst physical shape of my life. I mean, I was, I was broken, broken at that point. Mm. And so, to get back to the point of, you know, what was it during that time at Virginia that turned me from, from sort of underperformer to peak performer, I was trying to figure that same thing out. I'm laying there in bed as I'm closing down this business. I'm, you know, you know, pulling the plug on this thing. I starting to look for jobs and you know, I'm on like Craigslist, you know, like looking for jo- you know, scrolling past jobs for like paper boys and unpaid internships and thinking to myself, like, like this wasn't, this, this wasn't supposed to be my trajectory. Like, I, I wasn't, didn't, you know, I thought I'd be further along at this point in my career. And, and so I thought to myself, like, what was in place in my life that helped me go from underperformer to peak performer that totally transformed me when I was wrestling. And people talk about all these great life lessons that you learn in sports. Like, like I, I need them now because I don't know yeah. if I didn't learn them or, or I wasn't paying attention, but I definitely need them now. And so I was laying there. I remember it was like laying, laying there at night, one night, next to my wife, she's asleep in bed. And I'm like staring at the ceiling in the dark and thinking to myself, like what, what was in place then? It's not in place now. Right. And I realized it was like a camera lens coming into focus. It would, there were four things, four very distinct things that were in place then that were not in place at that moment. And the, and the first one is this, I had a very clear vision for what success looked like for me. And it was based upon my values. Okay. So I had this vision, this very clear vision, and it was based upon my values. And, you know, when you're an athlete, the, the vision for success, it's pretty clear, but you get out into the real world, it, it's undefined, right? We, we have so many different things, you know, shiny objects and things that we want. And it's like, what does success actually look like for me? What is that clear right. vision that I'm pursuing? And what is it based on? And to be honest, when I was wrestling, I couldn't have told you my core values like I can today, but I knew I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to go on to success after wrestling, like so many of my heroes and mentors did before me. And so, so I, that was the first piece is I had this, this clear vision and these values. And then the second piece of four is I had goals that aligned with those values, not goals that aligned with you know, what the mass media tells you that you should want or what you see on social media yeah. or what you see parked in your neighbor's driveway, but goals that aligned with Jim, with who I was at a deep foundational level. Because when you have that, failing in, in, in adversity and setbacks, they're not quite irrelevant, but certainly the pain and the impact that those have on you 
is, is significantly less. You can be resilient. You can keep getting up one more time. You can do the hard work. And I make a distinction between hard work and inspired action. I mean, wrestling is known for, for being a tough sport in the hard work that we put in, but really it's, it's inspired action. I was inspired to do the things that I had to do to get to where I got to, to get onto the podium of the national championships, to be an Olympic hopeful. I was inspired to do that. It wasn't hard work. I mean, it was hard work, of course, in the sort of the, the, the traditional sense, but, yeah, but you it was really, it. I was inspired to do it. Right. And, and so the, the one caveat I'll, I'll make here is like, again, I said earlier that there, I had a single-minded focus um, when I was wrestling and I had a single-minded focus with this business that failed. In the real world, you know, guys like you and I, Brett, we can't have a single-minded focus. We have, you know, we have our careers, we have our health and wellness, we have our families. There's so much at stake here, more than just, you know, winning a wrestling match or winning a right. championship. So that's the second piece. And then the third part was I had what I call an environment of excellence. I had coaches around me, like coaches who had walked the walk. They knew how to get me from where I was to where I wanted to go. They held me accountable. They asked me the hard question. They kicked me in the ass if I needed a kick or helped me course correct if that's what I needed. They could see my blind spots. Um, I was around you know, teammates, like like-minded people going through the same ups and downs, going through the, the same successes and the same failure who had similar goals as me. So this is this environment that I had around me, this environment of excellence that again, it, you know, when I had this business that failed, like I didn't have that. I wasn't surrounded by the right people, not just in, in my business life, but also in my, my personal life and my health and fitness. Uh, I mentioned to you an organization called F3 before we started chatting here. It's this yeah. men's workout group that I'm part of here in Charlottesville. And I'm actually, I'm on the advisory council for the, the national foundation of the organization as well. But it's just a group of dudes who show up every every morning, every morning, but several mornings a week. And we do really hard workouts. We worked out at 530 this morning and it was really freaking hard. And this is part of my environment of excellence. I know these guys are waiting for me. Uh, there, there's a community of guys who are willing to go through hard things at oh dark 30 in the morning. And, and it's this environment of excellence. So we have to craft that. It, it just exists by default in as you're when you're an athlete, especially at the division one level, uh, certainly at the Olympic level, uh, military folks can can understand this because there's an infrastructure there as well. Um, so that's the third piece. And then the fourth and final piece is you have to have a plan to follow through. Like it's one thing to identify your vision and your values and have these aligned goals and have this environment of excellence, but you know, kids get sick. And that throws you off or cars break down or global pandemics happen, whatever it might be, yeah. things throw you off course and then you never get back on the path. And if you, if you drift through life and you, you've done this work, but you're not following through on it, you don't have a structured, systematic plan, execute and follow through, even on the bad days and bad weeks and bad months and bad quarters, you're, you know, it's going to be something you did. It was great. It's helpful. I set these goals, but uh, I don't even remember what they are now. And, and that's where, that's where most people fall off. So what would you recommend to those people that uh, maybe they don't have the group around them that you had at Virginia to help you get to that point, right? Maybe they're working in an environment that doesn't foster that, right? Not everybody's lucky to have that. So for that person that is looking for more, that wants to be around more, um, what advice would you have for them if they don't have it in their everyday world now? Those people are out there. And, and we have to actively seek them. You have to actually create a, like an action item, a plan, a goal to get around those people. And, and it's, 
it might be as simple as getting into a business networking group, right? Getting around other other business leaders or entrepreneurs. Um, get get into uh, a workout group like I talked about, right? Find other people. If you don't have F three in your area, you can. Google F3 and you can find out if it's in your area. I know where you're in St. Okay. Louis, there's tons of those, but like get around, find ways to get around these people. Um, uh, church is another one, you know, like it doesn't matter, like wherever you can find people who are operating at the level that you want to operate, like go get around those people. So for me, I, you're looking back on my career, um, I, I gave a TEDx talk titled Why I Teach My Children to Fail, which was largely about my wrestling career, which was mostly failure uh, until I got onto the podium at the national championships. And, and that, like, I, I, I gave that TEDx talk only, it, it started from a failure. Uh, I, I spoke at an event and I was, I was terrible. I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> just did it. It's a horrible job. It was embarrassing. You know, I'm like, I got to fix this. Well, who do I know? Or how, how can I get around other people who either are working on fixing this or have already fixed this? Well, Toastmasters. And so I joined the local Toastmasters, started giving speeches in a safe environment and learning how to give talks. And lo and behold, one day an opportunity came up to, to give a TEDx talk. I applied, I got chosen. There was like six, they had like this whole lineup of great speakers and they had one spot for a community speaker and I applied and there was 65 people applied. 25 of us got a chance to do an audition in front of 500 people. It was an audition. Wow. And then they did an audience vote. I won that and I got to speak on the main stage. And but it's like, you know, uh, luck is when opportunity meets preparation, they say, right? So I was prepared for that. But I was around people. It was a group of people who were studying and learning the same thing. And if it wasn't for those people, I would have never gotten to do the TEDx talk. And the TEDx talk spawned, really spawned my podcast and spawned my business and, and really led to so many other things. So um, you have, those people are out there. There's a quote who was a Jim Rohn, I think said, you are the average of the five people you most, yes. you spend the most time around. And, and for me, so, you know, we talked, you know, we both have four kids. So in my home, there's three females and two males, right? Three females and two males. And so for the average, of the, those, are the, those are the five people I spend the most time with. So the average for me would be like a teenage girl. So I'd be like a teenage girl. If I was <laughs> right. the average. Right. You know, Making the five less than minimum wage. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you have to like, so how, what are the other ways you can bring people into your world? Like, so the environment of excellence, it's actually, there's actually four pieces to it. Now I'll break it down real quick. So, and a way to remember it is through the acronym MAPS, M-A-P-S. M stands for media. You can bring these people into your world, into your universe through listening to podcasts like this one, through books, through you know, uh, social media, who you do follow and also who you don't follow, right? What's the media that I need in my life and what's the media I need to block out of my life. So when I was wrestling, you know, I, shoot, I, I, uh, I, I didn't watch much TV, but when I did, I was watching film of the national championships or the world championships or breaking down film of myself or my opponents. I used to have a mindset audio that I listened to with a Walkman. You remember Walkman yeah, so yeah. Walkman back in the day, sure. you know, it was like a cassette tape. But I would listen, I would listen to that before I went to bed. Like this is the media that I brought into my life, right? It, and it, it moved me towards the goals that I wanted to achieve. So that M is for media. A stands for area. And this is yeah, your well, these physical are the four, space. These are the four what again? Sorry, these are the four parts of the environment of excellence. Environment of excellence. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so M-A-P-S, maps. And, and just like you need a map to get from where you're at to where you want to go, you got to have, you know, a map 
to get from where you're at to where you want to go in, in your real in the real world in your life too. So A stands so M stands for media, A stands for area, like the physical space around you. And you know, for me, when I was competing, you know, I had my goals posted on my wall and I had a big poster of an Olympic gold medalist on my wall. And I, I had a training journal and log in top right hand drawer of my desk. You know, I had healthy food, healthy snacks around me. Like I had this optimized environment, this optimized space around me. And, and it's the same in the real world. Like I'm, I'm talking to you right now from my standing desk, you know, I've got healthy food next to me. I've got my goals posted right here in front of me. Like you have to have this, this space around you that is optimized for success. Um, so that's a for area P stands for people already talked about people. That's your coaches and your teammates, the people around you. And I know I've heard you talk about it on your podcast before, Brett, like, and you know, being willing to invest in a coach, like are people, are you actually willing to do that? And again, to use your example, Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady has had coaches, right? He had strength coaches, right. pretty sure he knew how to lift weights. You know, he had a nutrition yeah. coach, pretty sure Tom Brady knew what to eat, but he still had those people in his life pouring right. into him. So that's P for people. And then S is for speech. And that's the language that we use. Really, this is a big part of the internal internal environment of excellence. Like, what's the, what are the words I'm saying to myself? What are the, the words I'm saying out loud to others? Like, yeah, I can't do it. Well, boy, what, boy, this economy is really terrible. Boy, finding a job these days, or uh, gosh, my boss, he's really sucks. You're like, really, are you gonna say that? Or are you gonna say, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there, boy, you know, down economy, a lot of people are, are, are looking this way. I'm going to look that way. Like what are the, the opportunities to change your language? Because everybody talks about attitude, have a great attitude. Well, what does that mean? Well, it starts with language and that's, that's the speech part. So those are the four yeah. areas, four parts of the environment of excellence. Yeah. And it's uh, funny. You talked about your goals being around you. And I remember back, you know, I'm 45 now, but when I was 23, I remember having my goals literally framed in a like a nice frame right next to my phone because you know back then man i was banging out 40 50 100 phone calls a day just trying to find clients right and so yeah. i knew that when the times were tough i'm like yeah like i really want to make this 58th phone call today or get told no for the 17th time right yeah. it's like but those things in that frame were so important to me those are the things that kept me going right and i think clarity around that is huge for us and, and for me yeah. I've got my journal here that you can get on Amazon, shameless plug there, the future grade in your past journal. Um, but I have you write down every single day what your 90-day goals are. Every day, mm. right? So if I were to ask you, if you write down your goals every day for the next 90 days, is there a greater likelihood of you hitting those yes or no? Pretty 100%, obvious, right? 100% there's a yeah. greater chance yeah. of getting there. It's just... It's this small mindset shift. This is like this. I, I, I love that, Brett, by the way. I'm gonna check I'm gonna check that out that, that journal out. I love that. Love that. You know, and, and you listen, I'm preaching to the choir with you. So writing those goals down has such an impact on on your mindset and sort of how you operate in the world. I'm gonna share a story with you. So there's a guy by the name of Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake is uh he was a a, a a high school wrestler going to college to, to Cornell University. He was a good high school wrestler, but not like he was not going to sort of win the national championship his freshman year or anything ridiculous yeah. like that. But so his mom and dad drop him off at Cornell University, drop him off at school, and they and his mom hands him a journal and says, "Kyle, write down your goal on this journal. Go, you know, write your goals down in there." He said, "Okay." So he he wrote down his goal. Mom and dad dropped him off, and they, he wrote down his goal. He said, "Kyle Dake, two thousand nine, one hundred forty one pound." NCAA champion. Mm. He wrote that down that, that, that night. And then the next morning he woke up and he did it again. Then the next night, that night he did it again. Same thing every morning and every night, every single morning, every single night, national champion, 
and he won the national championship his freshman year, which is crazy. That doesn't happen very often in right. the sport of wrestling. Next year, he bumps up a weight class and he writes down his goal now twice in the morning, twice at night, hmm. every day, goes on to win the national championship again. Third year, bumps up another weight class. Three writes his goals down three I times I see where in the this morning, is going. Night. Yep. Wins another championship. Fourth year, four times in the morning, four times at night. He becomes the first person in the history of college wrestling to win four national championships, each one in a different weight class. It, mind blowing. I mean, he, incredible. Like, here's the thing: like who, like who does? It's kind of it's ridiculous. Like who writes their goals down every morning? Every I mean, that's absurd. It's a little bit crazy. Well, right. is it? Because this is what world class performers do. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What was I got to look at this guy? What's his What's his name again? Kyle Dake. He's now a world champion. Also, by the way, how do you spell uh, Dake? Dake? D A K E. Oh, just like it would sound. Okay, that's amazing. Good for that guy. Uh, I thought yeah. you, that's where you're going to go. I'm like, no way. The dude bumps up one a year and, and does that. So, Every single year. what um, what would I find for you? I'm I'm always uh, you know, I'm inspired by people that have normal habits and rituals that they keep every day. Um, but what are the ones, if I followed you around the camera, I would see are no miss items for you every day, but also if we can be transparent and vulnerable, which I know you can be, what, what's the hardest one, even though you still do it, what's the hardest one for you to do daily? Yeah. So for me, I always, I always talk to my clients about core habits and it's sleep, nutrition and exercise. So if you just start with those, if you get those things right, a lot of other things are going to be easier for you, right? The consistency, whether it's making the sales calls or you know, being patient and present when you're home with the family and kids or being productive at work, whatever it is, like if you can, if you can get close or, or, or nail those core habits every day, then you're going to have a 50% head start on just about everybody else. Yep. So for me, it's those, right? You know, especially the exercise and the nutrition. So for me, you know, I mentioned this F3 group, whether it's that or, or going or, or running, I do a lot. I work out a lot. And, and so for me, like it brings a lot of confidence. I feel better physically and mentally, psychologically. I just feel so much better when, when I work out. So that's, yep. that's a big one for me. And then the other one is, is on the nutrition side is, I, you know, I just, just before a call, I finished a big salad. Like I, I don't eat junk food, especially during the workday, you know, I, and I slip and I don't always eat perfect. I'm not like, so I'm not trying to be some, some, some guru who's sitting on top of a mountain saying I'm perfect, but I do eat right. And, and I put the right fuel in my body because it makes me feel good. And I actually thought about like your audience, Brett, as I'm sitting here talking to you on the circle of success podcast, I'm thinking I need to be ready and, and on top of my game and not feeling like crap when I show up with this podcast episode. So those are the things that, I mean, gosh, I, you know, I wake up at five o'clock, a little bit before five o'clock and it's painful every freaking right. day. I'm not a morning never person, gets never was. Never, it doesn't get easier, you know? And, and that is why this environment of excellence is so critical. Like my clients are, they're in a community of other people who are doing hard things. Yep. And when you're around these people doing the hard thing, just is kind of the norm. Like, like, like my wife thinks I'm crazy. I'm running a, a trail half marathon Spartan race this weekend. And she thinks I'm crazy and extreme. I'm like, uh, -uh. I, I just, I work out, I worked out this, this morning with a 63 year old guy who just ran Boston in 328. Um, Oof. you know, there, there's, uh, uh, another guy. I mean, this is, 
I'm not even anywhere close to like the, the crazy fit guy in my workout group, but it's like there's standards. And, and again, I'm part of a mastermind in a group of entrepreneurs. Like there's some really incredible entrepreneurs in this group. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but when I'm around those people, it, it raises my level. So those are the yeah. hard thing. Like you want to, if you want to do hard things, if you want to get yourself to do hard things, you're like I want the hard thing, but I can't do it. I can't seem to get up early and, and do the extra work. I can't seem to stay focused at work. Like can't seem to, you know, make that 58th sales call, get around other people who are making, you know, 75 sale co sales calls a day. All of a sudden 58 feels like, yeah. okay, this is like table stakes. You know, I got to dial it up here. I love that. Yeah, it is, man. It is who you surround yourself with. And I think about for me, it's exercises, you know, getting back after it. So in August of last year, I said, you know what, man, I'm tired of not holding myself accountable to exercise to the level I need it to be. Right. So I, I focus again in my journal on 90 day goals. And so one of those for this 90 days, April, May, right. Those, those April, May, June, those three months, I write EOP exercise on purpose. Right. And, and it may not mean something to somebody else, but for me, there's meaning behind that. Right. I know if I went and I just kind of half-assed it or if I went and worked out. Right. And so for our accountability, it was 13 guys on a group text. People listen to this every week are probably hard, tired of hearing me talk about it, but I think you got to hear something nine times before it sets in. And so get that accountability group of people around you. That's what I'm hearing you say nonstop is you got to show up at whatever five or five 30 in the morning and have people there that are running marathons at, you know, 60 something years old, right? Surround yourself with better people, but also be the leader of that, man. If you don't have an organization you can go do, I think you got friends. And so, right. When, when the winter time came and it was cold, we didn't want to meet in my backyard. You had to send a picture at 6 AM. Right. So now, Guess what happens? It works so well, you start to fade off a little bit. And somebody texted me on Thursday of last week, hey, get the text chain going again, right? So now we're back, right? Now we're back. We're going to get it going. So I just think when yeah, you hear me say that, like what, what, do you, what, what comes out of that for you? What do you hear? I was, I'm working with a CEO of a company right now, and, and we were on a call with his executive team. And he said, sometimes we get so good at something that we stop doing it. Yep. And it like really Dude, struck me. Like, why in the like, hell do yeah, we do that? Yeah, right. It, it, you know, like, and so one of my favorite coaching questions with people is what has worked? Like what has worked? What has worked for you? And for the listener, you know, whether it's in, in your business and you're trying to level up or, you know, you know, trying to grow your business or, or get that promotion or become a leader or, you know, get healthier or fix your relationship or whatever it is, like simply ask yourself the question, what has worked? worked. If you, if you answer the question, what has worked, you might say, well, this worked in my business life. Well, okay, well, how can you then take that to your, your relationship at home? Right. Or if this worked in my, my health and fitness, you know, being on the text thread with a bunch of people, okay, yeah. how do I, maybe, maybe I can apply that to my bit. Who do I know that needs to make the 58 phone calls a day? Who do I know that needs to do that? Let's, let's freaking create a text thread with them. Like do those things. And and so these are these are questions, right? That 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 bring us this sort of clarity. You know, just simply answering the question, "What has worked?" And I used to always ask on my podcast. I would say, um, you know, interviewed you know the Tim Ferrisses of the world and Jack Canfields yeah. and Ken Blanchards and on and on, Shannon Miller, Olympic gold medalists, etc. And I would always say, "What's the one habit you most credit for your success?" And you would assume that for the Olympic gold medalist, it was some kind of training habit, or you would think that the New York Times bestseller would say it was some kind of some kind of writing habit. 
but it was never what you would expect. It was always some version of working with a coach, working with a mentor, journaling, uh, doing some kind of retreat or stepping back in their life and evaluating. And, and so I've, I've coined a term for this. I call it the productive pause, the productive pause. And a productive pause is, is this. So here's the definition of it. A productive pause is a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. Clarity of action and peace of mind. Like that's what we all want. And it, it doesn't come from doing the same thing today for no better reason than that's what we did yesterday and doing the same thing tomorrow for no better reason than that's what we did today. No, you can't do that. You have to hit the productive pause. You have to hit the pause button and do this productive pause. You have to ask yourself questions. What has worked? Or you buy a journal like yours, Brett, and, and, and it forces you to do that productive pause every day. When you open the journal, you write down your goals, and I'm sure there are some questions in there that are bringing people clarity of action, peace of mind, setting them on the right course for the day. Yeah. So for the listener, you have to carve this time out. You know, like when I think back to my wrestling life, you know, if you asked me what was the most one important one hour that I spent the entire wrestling season, it wasn't in the weight room. It wasn't in the training room or wrestling room, practice room. It wasn't watching film. It was the one hour that I spent with my coaches at the beginning of the season where we mapped out the season. We set my goals. We identified different things and, and you know, strengths and weaknesses like that one hour set the course for the whole year. So that is a productive pause. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny you say that about the Olympic athletes. I had one on Annie Coons and she said she was the heptathlete and, you know, which is probably the most in shape, you know, Olympic there is to, to do all sure. uh, of those things. And so she said, you know, I'm like pen and paper, right? I'm ready to rock. She's going to give me the secret sauce. She's right. like, uh, mindfulness, like meditation, you know, five to 10 minutes a day. And I practice gratitude. Three things I'm thankful mm -hmm. for. I'm like, you know, that's it. Come on. Like, you know, like, come it's on. so simple, but man, it's like, so true. You know, the shake, like what's the magic ingredient that I'm supposed to put in my smoothie right. or, you know, what's the pill that I got to take? It's like, no, it's like mindfulness, gratitude. Wait, what? Like, that's the secret. Yes, that's the yeah. secret. But here's the deal. Like, are you doing it? Right. You know, like the, the secret is like writing down your goals every morning and every night, like Kyle right. Dick, like, do you have these habits? If you, you, you can listen to a podcast like yours, but unless you're actually taking action and doing the work, I mean, that that's none of this stuff works as you know, Brett, none of this works unless you actually do it. Yep. hundred percent. So let's talk about the, um, I always joke that I've got a, a man or woman who my, mine's a man. I'm a guy that sits on my shoulder. The woman listening could have that woman on her shoulder that, that says one thing you can do this, man, go get it, Brett. You got it. Take the world over, you know, and then you got the person over here that sometimes can be just a little bit taller. Right. And they're saying, man, oh, who yeah. the hell do you think you are? Right. Like, why do you think you can do that? How do you personally, help yourself through those moments of that self-defeating thinking. First of all, thank you for assuming that I have it and that everybody has it because we all do. <laughs> and, you know, so it's so easy to, to look at other people and think, oh, it's just easier for them. And right. success just comes easy. They don't have the self-doubt. It's like, no, BS, man. It's like everybody, everybody has that. And, you know, I, I said, like I said, I grew up in a small town, I was a small kid. I was a small thinker and success mm. was for other people. And so I really had to wrestle with that for a long time. Not to, you know, no pun, no intended. pun intended, but yeah. And I, you know, I, I went through 
my, I went through my wrestling career being afraid of failing. Mm. And I, I got to the point where at the end of my junior year, I, I've been wrestling for 16 years. I've been competing for 16 years and I'm now a junior in college. And, and you know, my, my goal is to be an all American, right? I get to college and, and I actually redshirted my first year. And, uh, so for those who aren't familiar with college sports, you get five years to do four years of competition. You can take one red shirt year where you still train with the team and that sort of thing. And I trained with the team my freshman year and kind of matured and grew, got a little stronger. And by the time I actually rolled around to my, my red shirt freshman year, my, my second year in college, but my, my really my freshman year of, of competition, I made the starting lineup and I set my goal to be an all American. And the first thing you have to do is get to the national championships. I qualified for the national championships as a mm -hmm. freshman in college. And it was like, holy girl, I got there, but I failed, failed to become an all American. You have to win four matches. Sophomore year. Again, I got to the national championships. Again, I failed junior year, pretty much a repeat of the prior two years. I get to the national championships and I fall short of my goal and I failed. And I go to the locker room and I remember just burying my face in a towel in tears thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not capable enough? Like, maybe it's just not in the cards for me. Like what, maybe I shouldn't set my goal so high. And, and I, I decided to dedicate my off season to figuring out what I was missing because like, I couldn't work harder. There, like, there's not more miles, hours right. in the day. I couldn't run more miles. I couldn't lift more weights. Couldn't watch more film. There's not more I could do. And so I set my, my entire off season. My goal is to, to get with as many world-class performers as possible and figure out like, what am I missing? Like, do I need to better techniques in the top position? Do I need to lift, you know, get my legs stronger? Do I get better? Like, what is the, what do I need to do? And so I got, you know, I got to, I work wrestling camps. I was a camp counselor at all these wrestling camps and they would bring in, you know, Olympic gold medalists and national championship coaches. And I would pick their brains and the whole off season goes by heading into the senior, my senior year, it's the night before the first competition. And we're sitting, I'm sitting in a hotel in Morgantown, West Virginia, the night before the West Virginia university open. And, and it hits me. I never figured it out. Like I never figured out what it is that I was missing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, all I can do is all I can do. I, I gave up on the outcome. I gave up on becoming an all American. Mm. And I said, all I'm going to do is all I can do. I can't, like I said, run more miles, lift more weights, watch more film. I can't do more. So everything I have, I'm going to put into this. And at the end of the season, if I get onto the podium, great. If I don't, I have to be okay with that. And putting down that baggage, that fear of failure, that doubt, that little voice on, on the side of that, that, that voice on the side of, on my shoulder, it became irrelevant. I was able to put down that fear, put down that doubt and just go be free and actually compete to the best of my abilities. And I went, woke up and the next day I went out and I dominated the competition. I went five and oh, won the championship and I had more fun than I'd ever had wrestling in my career, my entire hmm. career. And I went through the entire season the same way. And I lost matches, but I had a great season, got onto the podium at the national championship. I got to, matter of fact, at the national championships, I, I win, I won three matches. Now I got to win one more match to become an all American. And I got to wrestle the fourth ranked guy in the country. He's on the number one ranked team in the country, university of Minnesota. There's 15,000 people in the arena and my life essentially to this point comes down to this, it, the seven minutes, the seven minute match. And 
you know, you want to think to yourself like, oh, hey, this, this is the one, this, I've got to, I've got to perform my best. I got to give everything. I got to give 110%. It's like, no, you don't, you don't, right. you just got to show up and give everything you've got. And if that's enough, great. If it's not enough, that's irrelevant. What's really relevant is that you put everything you've got into it and you don't leave anything on the mat. Like you just leave it all out there. And that's what I did. I died and I won the match and, and I became an All-American. And, and so many times we listen to that voice of doubt that's on our shoulders, that voice that's saying, I told you so, you can't do this, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough. But we have to follow, we have to follow Stephen Covey's advice, seven habits of highly effective people, start with the end in mind. Okay, I'm not yeah. saying you can't, shouldn't have goals. This is critical to, to success, is having the goal, creating the vision. This is what the vision of success looks like. Now I'm gonna work backwards, I'm gonna create the process, I'm going to create the environment of excellence. I'm going to get around the right people, all this. And I'm going to let go of the outcome and just fully be, just be in the moment, be present, give it everything you've got in that sales presentation, in that job interview, in that Spartan race, whatever it might right. be, just be, show up and do everything you can because that's all you can do. And that's how I deal then and still deal with that little voice that's on my shoulder, yeah. that voice of doubt. So let's talk about that. So I, I gave a talk last week at a university, and um, these students, and it was a um, you know a great group of young, you know, soon to be professionals and all this stuff. And but we talked about, and and I I said some things that I look back now, and I'm thinking, you know what, that's that's right today where I'm at at 45, but it wasn't what I was doing when I was their age. So when I was a young professional. I would say I was pretty good at thinking big, believing big, and doing things at a younger age that I probably shouldn't have been doing, meaning that I just I was just dumb enough to not think, well, I of course I can go do this. I know I'm 26 years old. I can go be a managing director and be successful and, yeah. and do this. And so... But then when, as I've gotten older, I look at, I want to set realistic goals. Like if I'm struggling with exercise, I don't want to say, all right, you know, tomorrow I'm going to start and we're going to work out seven days a week and it's just going to continue to happen. It's like, no, let's start with the Tuesday and Thursday with the accountability group text message, right? Let's just go twice. Mm -hmm. And so it was a good awareness for me this weekend to think, gosh, which one is it? Is it think big, believe big, dream big, set these big, you know, hairy audacious goals as people call them, or is it good to be realistic? And I think, man, it really depends on where you're at in life. Right. So when you hear me say that, what are your thoughts between the twenties year olds, right? Yeah. The Bretts and, 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 and you and sure. I going out there as, as 25 year olds versus say 45 year olds, where's Brett and Jim at on that level? Yeah. Yeah. It's this weird dichotomy of, of both. And, you know, Jocko Willink wrote a great book, the, the dichotomy of leadership and, and looking at kind of both sides of leadership. And it's, it's the same in this, in, in goals, it's, it's, you know, like I said, start with the end in mind, but also give up on the outcome. You know, yeah. th those seem to be opposites, but they're not. They have you have to have them both, right? And and you know, you you have to have you know the big hairy audacious audacious goal. I shouldn't say you have to, by the way. Uh, I'll come back and, and reframe that in a second. But if you have that big hairy audacious goal, it also starts with one step. It also starts with habits, right? whether it's the, the mindset habits or, or the, 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 how many times you pick up the phone and dial every day or whatever those habits are that are going to get you from where you're at to where you want to go. Um, but everybody, and, and we, we approach this in my coaching program because we coach 
the whole person um, from wealth and career to relationships and health. Like some people just have it dialed in in some areas, right? They don't need any help right. in their marriage and their health. They're like, I just need business advice, career advice, find like, I just want to dial it up there, right? I'm, I'm, I want to go from good to great in that area. Great. We help you. If, if maybe it's, maybe it's your health, maybe it's like, man, I just, you know, I'm, I'm crushing it. I'm, I'm, you know, making seven figures plus and, and, you know, my marriage is great, but man, I just can't seem to get consistent in my workouts. It's like, okay, let's, let's, let's dial it up there. You don't need the BHAG in, in the other areas or like you, you have to figure out like, what does the BHAG look like for you? And, and I'm mm -hmm. actually my, my retreat, my client retreat this coming weekend is it's called uh, the limitless life. Like, what does that look like for you? It's, you know, Every, actually today, everybody's work, pre-work, they're, they're the work they have to do before the, the, the actual event, it's due today. And I can't wait to read them because it's going to be different for everybody. Every, it's going right. to be different. I, mean, I have people who are, you know, published authors and, you know, uh, you know multimillionaires and they're, they're, you know, neurosurgeons and professional athletes and, and people on, you know, so the other end of the spectrum. And it's just... It's different. I shouldn't even say that at the end of the spectrum. It's just they're at a different place in, in their lives, right? Where their families are, where their, their health is, where their wealth is. Um, so you, like, I, you know, you want to give a prescription, but it's really different for everybody. But it goes back to if you can go back to what's the vision for my life, what are my values, yeah. what are the goals that align with those values, then you can map that out. So what's uh what's something that's disrupting right now in the world? And you hear a lot about like chat GPT and you think about, you know, artificial intelligence and we're sending people up into outer space and rockets coming back. Like what is it for you kind of turning the page a little bit of this stuff and just kind of free flowing some things? What is it yeah. of those that you think will actually disrupt the most for the everyday man or woman? <sighs> Have you messed with AI much, or at least ChatGPT? Have you messed with? with yeah, that I have. I've I've messed with it a fair amount, and uh, yeah. But you know, it just doesn't seem authentic and real to me. Like you know, I could have it go out and write a five hundred page article, you know, on you know Social Security and taxes and all this sure. stuff, and I'm sure it'd do a great job. But it just for me, it doesn't seem in, in my world, the world I live in with clients and and people and their lives, it doesn't seem authentically real. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, it is, it, you know, it's going to be a game changer. I mean, I think in ways that we can't even yeah. predict, just like the internet, you know, we can't, we couldn't, you couldn't have predicted back in the, I don't know, in the nineties, the, the impact that the internet would have on us today. But, um, but our, I think artificial intelligence is, is the game changer. I'm actually working on a, uh, I can't, I can't really share it right now. It's not open, but, a, a, an AI version, um, of, of something that's going to be, it's going to be a game changer. Um, mm. but, uh, um, it's funny you say the, the intelligence, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said, you know, think about when the internet came out, you could type in anything and get information, right? There's artificial information and there's artificial intelligence, and it's yeah. like now we're going to take that all the information in the world and then be able everybody's going to be smarter, right? If you know how to use it and you know what you're looking for and all that and you adapt it into your world, this person was talking about how the world is going to be much more intelligent, uh, which I hope so. Um, yeah. I think that'll be pretty crazy if, if, if used the right way. Yeah, if you use the right way, and you know, I use it a ton for not so much content creation. I do a little bit for content creation. It'll, my assistant will use it to help 
do a first draft of say a podcast description, you know, yeah. so we'll use that to kind of get us 50% or 75% of the way there. And then we go put our, our touch on it. Um, I'll use it to do research on, on guests for podcasts to help me sort of formulate uh, conversation topics. Again, you know, we will, we'll create a ton of it and then we'll sift through it and, and pick out what we like, combine things, delete a lot of things uh, and put our own touch and, and, and spin on it. But um, you know, even creating images, you know, you can, you can have a create a, an, any image that you want, which is scary in the sense that, you know, people are hmm. creating images that of things that of events that never happened and saying they've happened. So, so there's, tell me more about that. How are you creating? What kind of image are you creating? So you could create, um, um, well, here's an example. I, I, I have a t-shirt I created from, for the success through failure podcast. And, so went into chat GPT said, here's, you know, here's what my brand is. Here's what my podcast is. Um, we're creating a t-shirt, uh, give me five different descriptions of a t-shirt and it can describe it and you say, okay, uh, pick which one you like. And you kind of like talk back and forth to it, you know, refine number three and delete number four and add to number five, whatever. And then, you know, you pick which one you like, and then you take that over to something called mid journey and mid journey is just another AI. And you could say, okay, uh, create me a graphic, uh, with this description that you're copied and pay, you copied and paste it from chat GPT and, uh, chat GPT is like, is, is like, um, you know, the, the sort of very basic sort of entry level sort of like, that's just the thing that most people know and talk about, but there's all right. these other tools out there that are, that you, you, that you can use in conjunction with chat GPT or, or, or totally separately that take that and just amplify. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm such a beginner at this, but like, uh, you know, I've gotten into this, 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 it with his individual who's creating a pretty amazing company around this. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's I, I'm, in, I'm in this mastermind group, I mentioned this mastermind group that I'm part of this, these entrepreneurs and yeah. oh my goodness, the, the, what they're doing with AI is just mind blowing, um, stuff that I don't even know. I didn't even realize was possible. So, yeah, it is crazy, man. It's going to be a, uh, it definitely is going to be a game changer. There's no doubt about yes. that. It's just, uh, hopefully yeah. it's in the right hands and going to be used for what it's hopefully meant to be used for. Right. That's, yeah. that's the other yeah. scary part. Yeah. So, yeah. so Jim, where can our listeners find more of you? So if you Google my name, Jim Harshaw Jr., Jim Harshaw on any social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you'll find me. Um, and I love to connect with people. So, you know, and you can find my podcast, Success Through Failure. I uh, just published episode 400 not not long ago. Nice, so I've been congrats. at this for, for quite a while. Um, again, you know, Navy SEALs and Olympic gold medalists, you know, a lot of similar guests as yours. And, and we always pull back the curtain and say, tell me about a time when you failed. Certainly we're getting their habits and tactics for success, but also like, tell me about a time when you failed. Tell me about a time when, when, you know, things weren't so rosy for you, when there's some dark times. And, and it's amazing when you pull back the curtain, failure is actually not something that they're immune to or that they don't actually have to go through. It's something that they go through maybe more so than, than the average person yeah. because they continue to get up one more time every time to get to the other side or whatever their goal is. So that's really um, the, the crux of the Success Through Failure podcast is, you know, it's the only show that reveals the true nature of success. So it's on any pod, podcast platform. You can check it out there uh, or you can go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply. And, uh, and you can, you know, jump on a free one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and I can talk about how to implement this framework that I talked about earlier into your life. I love it, man. We'll put all this in the show notes below and, uh, also on our YouTube page. So check that out. And, uh, Jim, man, it's been awesome having you and thanks so much for sharing your wisdom on the circuit of success.
Likewise, Brett. Great meeting you. Thanks for having me on.